Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's a Miller Lite football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Here's Payne and Pendergast. Right, we're going to get to some audio in just a little bit. Happened on a, not our sister station up in New York City, on the ESPN affiliate up there. Between a couple of their shows, their morning show and afternoon show. My big question is, does Ben Gary, our producer, have this club in his bag? Would he do this that incited animosity and vitriol between shows up there? We'll get to oh, that gosh. in just a little bit. We've got a nice long segment here as we bring you back in on a, uh, a football Friday here on Sports Radio 610. So we, we talked about trading up for the number one pick yesterday, and then it doesn't happen very often uh, a lot of people nervous that the Colts are going to move up to one and steal Bryce Young, and Bryce Young will then torment us for 15 years like Peyton Manning did back in the day. We'll see what happens. But it doesn't happen all that often that, that the number one pick gets moved. Only three times only three times since the year 2000, and one of those was Archie Manning getting Eli out of the San Diego Chargers crosshairs and making him a New York Giant, uh, Eli's dad, Archie. So very infrequent, equally infrequent. The trading of the number two pick in the draft. So if you're somebody who is of mine, like, you know, I don't like either of these quarterbacks. I wouldn't mind if the Texans moved down and accumulated some more draft picks and got some more good players and built the roster up a little bit, which I think is a, that's a fair, a fair approach. I, I don't know if that would get the disenfranchised Texan fan base back in the building quickly, uh, you know, yeah. trading down and drafting a bunch of linebackers and, Offensive linemen and things like that. I'm not saying it's the wrong approach. I'm just saying what what fans would probably feel. But it's it's equally difficult or equally infrequent that the number two pick overall has been moved. Only only three times this century has it happened where the team with the number two pick is traded down. The team moving up, like the number one pick, each time was moving up to go get a quarterback. Uh, Trubisky in 2017, Carson Wentz in 2016, and RG3 yeah. in 2012. You know, I think that um, as far as trading back goes, if there's one thing I learned about this last draft, Sean, it's that everybody is a sucker for names that they know and understand. Because the, I, I mean, I, and I was I was happy about last year's draft. I tend to not be very, I I tend to veer away from being super critical of drafts. You know, until they they're proven to. Uh, to be bad, but I was happy with the guy. I thought that they did some good things, but it was funny to watch during the draft when everybody's into hardcore, like project, where's this guy projected? Where's he going mode and everything. It was a lot of, okay, guys are going where they're slotted afterwards. When people started looking at the draft and they saw, Oh wow. Christian Harris, Alabama, John Mechie, Alabama. Oh, Jalen Petrie. I know his name. Oh, it, it like, 
all that started to... When you get guys in the second through fourth rounds that people know and understand their names, then all of a sudden, like, wow, yeah, they really loaded up on a lot of guys. And I'm not talking just casual draft people. I'm talking the hardcore people, too. So... If the Texans trade back in the first round, it'll all be a matter of whether they go after SEC guys or, you know, Big 12 defensive player of the year guys and type that. Uh, then then it'll be worthwhile. If they trade back in the first round and then take some Titus Howard types, right. it'll be, in people's opinions, it'll be the worst thing anybody's ever done in the history of Yes, that. yes. They yeah. move back and take somebody from Tulsa. You know, with, right, the, with, right, with right, their picks. Yeah. No, you're absolutely like a right. Josh Allen type or something. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe you traded back and you took some guy. Yeah, from from Canada or something. I don't know. Look at him. Yeah, these trades are interesting. I'm just looking at the three trades that were made, and I try to put myself let put myself in Nick Casario's shoes for a second. Like if if you get a phone call about the number two pick, and some of this may be, some of this may it may matter whether or not. Both quarterbacks, you know, it may matter who went one. You know, like if you're in mind of taking a quarterback and Bryce Young is already off the board, but you want a quarterback, man, I'm definitely not going to trade out. I'm going to take my guy. But if both quarterbacks are still there at two and someone calls you up with an offer to move back to three, you might go, yeah, I get one of these two guys and I pick up some picks. But here were the trades. So 2017, the Bears moved up one spot from three to two to draft Mitchell Trubisky. They get to move up one spot. So San Francisco moves back to three and in the process picked up a third round pick, a fourth round pick, and a third the following year. So you know, not a not an exorbitant tab, like not a you know not two firsts or anything like that. Yeah. But would Casario do that? Would you do that just to move back from two to three? Hey, I pick up another third, I pick up a fourth, I'm gonna get like eight of the top hundred and eleven players in the draft now. And I get a third the following year. I would do that. Would you? Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of this is going to be, you know, obviously done in concert with whoever they hire. I, I wonder if, if one thing the Texans are looking for is a guy that very much wants to load up on young talent now and is maybe willing to maybe willing to, to, to deal with whatever comes of that that you're not going to get as good as quickly. As long as maybe you're also adding some veteran talent, too. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be too young. Like, this team, that was one of the biggest issues with this team versus last year. In terms of performance on the field, was they just, they got younger. Last year, they had a bunch of, they had a bunch of guys that were good journeyman types, and they played a lot of them this year. They ended up playing a lot more rookies on offense, especially. And it, and it just wasn't as good. So, um, I think that, yeah, I'd be good with that. Uh, that's, um, that's plenty for me, even though I'm not getting... Uh, like a hall of glitzy picks. The, these next two would be really hard for me to say no to. I'm going to yeah. tell you right now. The Carson Wentz trade. Cleveland traded with Philly back in 2016. Uh, Philly moved up from eight to two. So Cleveland moves back to eight. And in the process, they get a, a third, a fourth. And then in the next year's draft, they get a first. And then in the following draft, they get a second. So they're kind of building the depth of future drafts with really yeah. high picks. To move back six spots. Okay, so here's the question. And I'm not going to say Cleveland necessarily, but if your trade partner, in this instance it was Cleveland, if your trade partner is somebody like 2016 Cleveland, yeah, where maybe oh. you don't expect them to really do much anytime soon, yeah. then that becomes a lot juicier. Versus this year's Cleveland, if you were to trade with a team that's like this year's Cleveland – 
you might think, oh boy, okay, if I'm I'm trading for next year one, like what do I really expect Deshaun? Do I really expect Deshaun Watson to keep being as bad a quarterback as Davis Mills? Yes. Probably not. Yep. And that roster is still pretty stacked. So I'm guessing Cleveland's going to be next year. You got to you got to handicap it a little bit. So it's not as juicy as maybe a 2016 Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Um, ironically, that first round pick that we're talking yeah. about here in 2017 wound up being the pick that turned into Deshaun Watson. <laughs> um, it's uh, because Philly was the one uh, that wound up being that that Philly pick because it was Philly trading the first in 2017 to Cleveland, not vice versa, like you just Oh, that's right. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that wound up being Philly's first-round pick. It was the 12th pick. That wound up being the pick that Cleveland traded to the Texans that the Texans used on Watson. Last they, one. Yeah, okay. La, la, last one. Yeah, I don't want to get too far down the wormhole here. This one would be really hard to say no to. This is a really simple one, I promise. The, the then Redskins moved up from 6-2 to two with the Rams. Yeah. Moved up from six to two. So they moved up four spots. The Rams moved back to six and they got a second round pick and then a first rounder the next year and a first rounder the following year. That's pretty sweet. (laughs) And the cautionary tale, everybody, is that none of those Rams picks that they got in that absolute haul ended up working out. Aaron Donald was not one of those picks. I, I believe almost all of them were out of the league before long. And then the Rams weren't even in the same city eventually. So it was <laughs> uh, that trade. They didn't do much at all with all of it. They couldn't even stay in the same damn city. So that's all that's a cautionary tale about the draft. I've so, got, yeah, they are it's a it's a lottery ticket. I've got the list. Here here are yeah. the players those those picks we just talked about that the Rams got, two firsts, yeah. a second. These are the players that ended up getting it got flipped into because they ended up trading those yeah. picks for more picks. Greg Robinson Alec Ogletree, oh boy. Stedman Bailey, Zach from the TV show. No, no, the wide oh. receiver from West Virginia. Um, no, Stedman. You're thinking of uh, Oprah's uh, uh, life partner there. It wasn't his name, Stedman. Also, yeah, it's Stedman. Yeah. Um, Zach Stacy, Isaiah Pede, Michael Brockers, good player. There you go. Janoris Jenkins. There you go. And something. Michael Brockers, Houstonian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Houstonian. And then uh, some dude named Rokevius Watkins. So, Seth, your point is a good one. You better I didn't turn realize Brockers was one of those guys. He was. Okay. Yeah, he was. Was he the only one that really worked out? I, Janoris Jenkins became a oh, serviceable yeah. NFL player. None yeah. of them turned into Hall of Famers or even Pro Bowlers. I don't know that Brockers ever even made a Pro Bowl. You're, you nailed it. Like, that's the cautionary tale. Like, I'm like, oh, I would do this deal. And then three years later, I'd be like, why did they do that deal? You know? But, or, yeah, they could have had RG3. Right, <laughs> like, right. Just, right. I get, that's the tale. Is like, sometimes it just sucks for everybody. Yep. Nobody yep. won that trade, ultimately. Nope. Yeah. yeah, everybody was a loser. Um, so ESPN, the ESPN affiliate up in New York City, the ESPN radio affiliate, there's some beef going on. And I look, it's nothing New York-specific or anything like that where you're like, why do I care about New York? This is pure just inner office inner office machinations and shade being thrown from show to show. Apparently there's a rivalry going on right now between their morning show and their afternoon show. Michael Kay is oh. probably the most famous of the people involved in this. He's their well, afternoon Michael host. Kay is the Yankees play-by-play That's guy, right. too, who will often, as um, if you ever watch their broadcasts, will uh, present 2000. 17 in a uh, very inaccurate light. Very so, much so. Yeah. Yep, very much so. So Michael Kay is the afternoon host. They've been taking shots at each other, these two shows. The producer of the morning show, I guess they were taking shots at him. His name's Ray Santiago. And he, oh. he decided to he decided to 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 go here 
with the with the. Uh, with I mean, the, I've got to throw this out there. Is is it the fear that this show is now on the rise, and that show's kind of going in the other direction lately? And, oh. and it seems to tie into ever since they lost <laughs> oh, RJ. Right. So there's there's a lot of like personal shots being taken over there, and even RJ, who is a fantastic producer there, is a fantastic producer here. It seems like it's a little personal at this point. Oh, this go, is going in the other direction. I don't feel comfortable with this at all. I well, listen, like, listen. If shots are going to be taken on that, yes, Raymond, and, and I've and I've stayed quiet. I've been respectful. And I, and I love Don LaGreca. I love Michael Kay. I even love Peter Rosenberg. I mean, even, they're all great even. guys. But I think it's getting a little, little personal over there. And if and if I'm going to keep taking shots, maybe they should take a couple as well. Wow. All right. So that, that yeah. shot basically was saying their ratings are going down right now. Yeah. That was a rating yeah, shot. Sounds like things are good in the morning. Yeah. 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 They, they better be if he's taking rating yeah. shots at them right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ben, the question I have for you before we get to Michael Kay's response, which is amazing. By the way. Yeah, by the way, though, that's a, is that a new show in the morning? There's DiPetrio and Rothenberg? I'm not sure. That's, that sounds like I've never heard of them, so I'm guessing they're new. I, I, if, that, if that Ray Santiago is new uh, to, to like actually working in that role, I, one thing he'll learn about ratings is, like, shut your trap. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's... like, don't, don't get too high on the hog yeah. about it. it it's, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll get your comeuppance at some it, point. It can be whimsical, yeah. yes. Um, ben, before we get to Michael K., can you uh, start taking shots at Clint and show? I, their show's doing fine, but it, don't, it, don't have it be ratings. Can you start taking other shots at them for things, Ben? Uh, are you putting me on the spot? Yeah, could you start doing that? Do you have it Would in you? you, you just, to yeah. start doing I, I don't. Oh no, no, no! You Absolutely don't? not. Okay. Not on the air, you're especially. Just, you're turning down the. You're turning this down. <laughs> I like that Ben said not on the air, especially as if to say I'll do it behind their back. <laughs> we all talk about you behind your back. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's just radio. Yeah. This all is right. Your big shot. Okay, Ben, you blew it. You this, blew it. This, <laughs> knowing how the response is from Kay, I think I'm justified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. here, here is the response, and Seth, I want to get your thoughts on this. Is Michael K being is he being a bit of a bully here in his And, and Michael K is like the big dog. He is. Play, does the play by play for the Yankees. He's like the big guy at the station. Huge. Yeah. He's a very very famous face and voice in New York. That afternoon they played that bit of audio that we just played on their show and then Michael K said this. Ray Santiago? Yeah. Made a comment about wow. ratings and the way the show Wow. Do you realize Ray let me look. This camera oh, right here. Ray, this Give me is... the one shot. Do you realize, Ray, that all I'd have to do? Oh no. All I would have to do is make one phone call, and you would be on the unemployment line. Oh my. You have the nerve oh, to say God. something like that about this show? Oh. One phone call, which yeah. I am considering making, and you will be fired. Oh. Do you realize that? Oh my God. So, and here's another thing. Management that's listening. I am never talking about that show again. If that's what that guy's going to do, I have no use. Let them do what they do. We'll do what we do. But remember, Ray, oh, no. I am really, really sitting on the fence right now about getting you canned, opening your mouth when you shouldn't have. See, Ben, you need to start firing off of them because I need to hear that from Clint Sterner. I need to hear that exact rant in Clint Sterner's voice. Chief? You, uh... Chief? Whistle so, around the neck, toes in the turf, man. We got to go work. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a threat. Um, that's uh, do you do you think he was serious? He claims that he was Michael K. The next day went on the air, yeah. and said he was just playing around. He said he was being performative. Right, right, right. 
other people are doubting that. I'm not buying his it. Co-host, Zero. His co-hosts are saying, like, oh, you guys are idiots if you thought he was serious. This is just like pro wrestling, which um, I, uh, I object to that. I object to this because I think that I think that Michael Kay was saying something that was actually true. Yes. And and that's a thing. It's a thing. If you're in that position that Michael Kay is in, you don't kind of flippantly joke about that stuff when it's true. Uh, like when you can get somebody fired and you're like, oh, well, I'm joking about it. Like it's not really a joke because you're stating something that's true. So even if you're saying it, claiming that it's performative and you didn't intend to fire it, you're still flexing your little biceps and saying, I'm going to get you fired. I'm Michael K. I'm going to be. You better watch it, little Mr. Santiago. Okay. okay. Yeah. Seth has his elbows jutting out like he's marching he's right doing now. his little chicken biceps. Yeah. <laughs> I just want people to be able to visualize what you look like when you're using that voice. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are both 39 years old. Jose Altuve is the devil. Jose Jose Altuve is Uh, the devil. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I I would say that, like, yeah, sure, you were joking, but you were joking with a purpose. Yes. Yeah, don't be ashamed of it. Own it, dude. Yeah. You're Michael freaking K. You wear a blazer to work. (laughs) Okay. Now the trailer wheel and and frame text page is requesting which host they would like Ben to start taking shots at. OMG, please take shots at Lopez. I used to go into the clubhouse and I just... (laughs) Yeah, remember that? When he just came on the the air and cursed on our show. What the hell? And then claimed that he didn't. Right. What like, did I say? What did I say? It's like talking to your child when like they spill the milk, and you're like, hey, you just spilled the milk. Clean it up. I didn't spill I the didn't milk. S- I didn't like, spill that milk. Milk's dripping off his hands. All right. Um, and then I'm like, it was just performative, honey. It was performative to, milk spilling. <laughs> yeah, that's, what they, that's what my kid says. It was performative. That's right. <laughs> Brooks Cabina. Brooks Cabina's in studio. Brooks Cabina's going to jump in with us. We'll get his thoughts on the Texans Head coaching search and um, what this uh, what this week has been like uh, as well. Different than last year at this time, to be sure. Brooks Cabina, Houston Chronicle, jumps in with us next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
It's a Miller Lite Football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Here's Payne and Pendergast. All right, Payne and Pendergast on a uh, Football Friday. Good to be with you. Appreciate you getting up with us. And lots of football this weekend that we will get to a little later on in the show. But the Texans head coaching search is a prime story right now. Joining us in studio, as he does every Friday, Houston Chronicle, and of course part of our squad here at Sports Radio 610 throughout the season and now into the offseason. Uh, Brooks Cabina joining us here uh, in studio. How you doing, Brooksy? What's up, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, you were... have, the, have you ever cleared him? Have you cleared it with him to call him Brooksy? I've probably called him that Brooksy, before. are you Brooksy's okay with that? Happened. Brooksy has happened. Okay. That's usually yeah. reserved for family members, yeah, but man. I feel like we've been around long Why enough. Why are you policing my relationship with Brooks Cabina right now, Seth? Why are you being... I just a... thought that maybe Brooksy would like just feel like there needs to be a certain level of familiarity before you call him Brooksy. We're very familiar, yeah. We've, okay. spent, a whole, we've spent a whole Texan season together, yeah. yeah. So. That's true. <laughs> that is, that's like spending three normal seasons together. <laughs> right, right. Um, so... Um, so what has jumped out at you so far about the candidate list uh, that the Texans have assembled here for interview? Request? Well, it's the same thing that I've heard um, a lot of people. It's not a new take. It's just really the legitimacy of the names. I mean, last year we were sitting here talking about Heinz Ward and different Josh McCown and people who really aren't qualified to be head coaches. So at this point, uh, the question is um, how many of these people will accept interviews, will be interviewed will take the job seriously, and the odds are better this year. I mean, I was just remembering this yesterday. There were 10 job openings last year in the NFL, which was a record in the NFL. Now there are only five. So, again, like in the playoffs beginning, there are a couple of places in Dallas that yeah, might, five for now, you know, right? we'll yeah. see what happens in the postseason, but right now they're lining up a lot of candidates that, honestly, if, if they end up with a, a handful of them, I think a lot of people in Houston would be happy about it. So... Right now, you're seeing kind of the, uh, the 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 aftermath of two seasons of rebuilding, and maybe there's a little bit of um, opportunity for the Texans in terms of what Nick Casario has led them to in terms of the roster, but also Cal McNair has been very heavily involved in building that list that ended up going to the league office, and then you're seeing names like Sean Payton and D'Amico Ryan's in there um, that maybe don't work out, but are still there so that they can give it a shot. Um, Brooks, one thing Sean and I have talked about is the the perception from a lot of media outside the city of Houston seems to be, well, this this Houston situation is toxic. Why would anybody take this job? And to me, it seems fairly simple and straightforward that when coaches might have that question, the Texans can simply answer that, you know, we were, we were hitting the reset and we were, you know, we were just kind of trying to establish a base from which to launch off of. And that's where we are right now. I don't, um, I don't think that a lot of candidates are going to look at David Culley and think, oh boy, if David Culley can't make it, then what's, what's going to become of me? Yeah. These are the type of candidates that I think if they had self-confidence in themselves, they're going to say, okay, I can, I can handle this situation more uh than the last two sure and that's with respect to you know the last two head coaches who well David Culley had never been a head coach before and Lovey Smith was twice fired Illinois had been fired and you know he was in a position to where he was going to be promoted to a head coaching job in the NFL so that's one thing I think the one side of it that actually I think is still something that needs to be answered if I were interviewing for the Texans job I would yeah. be wondering okay I see Cal McNair stepping in. I see Nick Casario sounding very humbled. 
if he's out after a year, am I out also? So am I jumping onto a ship that's stable or not? I mean, I'm seeing a situation where, okay, so the Texans, yes, understandably, if you're looking at it the last two years, the roster was not where it was, but two guys that uh, stepped into it got fired for it. There's higher expectations for this. You're going to be spending more money. You have two more first-round picks. What bar am I supposed to hit? And if Nick Casario doesn't hit his bar and he's gone, am I gone too? So there is urgency. I think we've seen that the last week, how the McNairs have been talking, how uh, Nick Casario even himself on Monday was talking about how the clock is ticking, that they um, are just at least setting the bar higher to where they want to compete. That has a lot to do with what they want to do on the field. But also, I mean, they just want people to care in Houston again. So there's an opportunity there for sure, but there's also some questions about how um, how stable this is. Yeah, Brooks Cabina joining us in studio, Houston Chronicle. Uh, you brought it up, the press conference on Monday. And yeah, I think that stood out to a lot of people that uh, some people have used the word humbled. I, like Nick's never come across to me as being arrogant. Um, but he was definitely, I would say, um, uh, accountable is the word he would use. But he mentioned several times about how, look, if it's if it doesn't work out, it's my ass, basically, yeah. to paraphrase. But multiple, multiple times he said that. What did you make of that? What was your take on that? Well, I thought it was interesting that, uh, in, in, and I heard y'all clarify that with him on uh, Thursday morning, I believe it was. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday morning. It's been a long week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wondered how much he would allow himself to adapt on his own role versus the candidates that come in. Let's just say Sean Payton, for example, who'd be very involved in personnel, if not wanting to have the final say. Is that a relationship that him and Nick Casario could work out? I now like thinking about how he phrased those things. If they're sitting in a situation where the Texans are deciding who to choose from, he's open to all kinds of possibilities. So he knows, uh, I think, that, I mean, he was brought here to do personnel. Um, Cal McNair reserved that within his statements and saying that he is a great personnel evaluator. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, those kinds of things are still left on the table for him. So I, I think that's kind of what I made of that. Do you get a sense for how serious um, the Sean Payton pursuit is? And I shouldn't say pursuit, I guess, the interview. And, and, I, and I mean that from both ends. Um, like I, I still get a sense that Sean Payton might be just putting his toe in the water a little bit this year mm-hmm. and, and seeing what's out there for him. I get the sense that Sean Payton isn't uh, as interested here um, and I think the Texans, if you're going to try and give it a shot, you might as well talk to the guy. So mm-hmm. is that a situation where you both get in the room together, pan out a couple of questions, and then find out, hey, there actually is kind of a spark here? I think that's probably more the case. I think Sean Payton being so heavily involved in personnel while he was with the Saints, he's got a ton of leverage at this point. Um, that means that also drives up the price to probably David Tepper level. Um, is that Ooh. something that, you know, the Texans, I mean, the McNairs have money too. Are they, are they wanting to spend that much? I'm sure, uh, that that will be part of the Peyton conversation, but you know, I, I think, uh, there's a lot here too, that's still up in the air and you could sell to Peyton. Okay. You don't have the number one overall pick, but there are ways that we can try and get you the quarterback you want. So, um, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily get the sense that, I, I mean, I lived in Louisiana for a while helped cover the Saints in some terms, and uh, the talk that I've kind of reached out to some people that I used to know um, and still talk to a bit is that the Peyton Casario relationship is not exactly one that would really work out. But oh, yeah. um, it's, it, it, that's, that's really the question, is how, how would they be able to work together? 
Do you have any of these candidates that are on the list that intrigue you? In, to put Peyton aside, I almost feel like he's in a separate category. But of, of the other candidates who none of them are former head coaches or all coordinators or, or in the case of Thomas Brown, assistant head coach and a position coach right now, are there any that, as you were looking at them, intrigue you particularly more than maybe the others do right now? Well, y'all were talking about him earlier today, and Ben Johnson's an interesting one because of what he was able to do with the Lions, except in the sense that there's a lot that the Lions had offensively this year. Let's just say, like, you know, even trading for Hawkinson at tight end, that I don't know if the Texans particularly have at his disposal at this point. You could add a lot in the offseason at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, those kind of things to maybe catch up to where they are, especially with John Mechie coming back. And I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting one, depending on how good he does in an interview. Obviously, it's the first time he's been a coordinator. Did a really good job, but, um, you know, the other two, and I wonder how much Nick Casario's philosophy for offense is going to change after watching it spud over the last couple of years. But, I mean, when I looked at Mike Kafka and, um, you know, with the Eagles too, Shane Steichen, those are two guys that are pretty run-oriented in how they do things. Um, yeah. But the name that comes back to me, and I remember this a year ago, being in the Senior Bowl, thinking and hearing from a lot of people that thought Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, would get the job, and then... Uh, they were very confused, and I think we talked about this last week when Josh McCown ended up being the name that got floated. I'd be very interested to see how he does in a second time around. That's usually those kind of situations where it's like, okay, this isn't going to work out this time, but we'll keep you in mind for the next time, which it ends up being a year a, later. Probably did him a favor. So <laughs> Yeah, and you can step into a situation where it's more favorable. Um, that's that's a name that I, I, I still wonder if he's how close he is to uh, being familiar with the ownership, with Nick Casario, with the roster, all of that and uh, being really well positioned again after the Eagles have been playing really well. And I guess, and then the other big question is, uh, is, is there mutual interest between D'Amico Ryans and the Texans? You know, uh, the, the sense of that from last year, um, I, his interest wasn't there with the Texans last year. This year, um, I, it's a situation where you look at the Texans and what they've built over the last couple of years, um, he's a former player it makes sense in those regards but I mean just to state it plainly the last two coaches two black coaches that got fired after one year I don't know this personally from D'Amico Ryans but I think you look at the situation you're really wondering okay how much do they value and trust someone in that position you know Nick Casario answered that question on Monday said okay well you know someone I think DJ Bienemy from ESPN asked like okay why would any black candidate trust that you have their full trust in you and he responded, he's like, well, that's just up to each person, and we're looking for the best candidate. I don't know this for certain from the D'Amico Ryan's end, but I would wonder if that's on his mind at all. But also, you know, he's got a really good situation with the 49ers. He can wait for the job he wants. There are a lot of questions still available with the Texans, depending on their roster, and the stability of the job itself, and with the general manager, like I said earlier, how long is he going to last? Mm-hmm. So he's got some leverage to pull. Um, there are a couple of jobs that are available. Obviously, again, it's four this year. And, uh, you know, we've seen coordinators and -and up-and-comers be patient about where they want to go. So uh, that may be just part of his case, too. Um, So we'll see how that works out. Last one before we get you out of here. The wild card round is this weekend. You and I and Seth were talking about this before we came back on the air here. The six and seven seeds in each of the conferences, these are the four quarterbacks. Tyler Huntley, Skylar Thompson in the AFC, Daniel Jones and Geno Smith in the NFC, if you had to pick one of those to pull off the upset, Seattle, San Francisco, the Giants play Minnesota, the Dolphins play the Bills, and Huntley and the Ravens play the Bengals. you got to pick one to pull off the upset. Who would it be? 
is the do- I, I like the Dolphins, but I don't know if I consider that it would technically be an upset. It'd be a huge upset. They're a thirteen point underdogs. Uh, yeah. Thirteen? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, it's in yeah, Buffalo. Even if Tua's hurt, and even if he was healthy, he's been awful. They All got right. no. They got nobody. They got. They got some kid named Skyler. Skyler, who Thompson, to me man. is he a seventh grader at a fancy prep school. Big right. Game. right. Yeah. He was a character on One Tree Hill back in the okay, day. Okay. Read me those again. Uh, uh, Skyler Thompson <sighs> against the Bills. Tyler Huntley against the Bengals. Uh, Daniel Jones against the Vikings and Geno Smith against the Niners. Obviously, all on the road in this uh, game. All right, Daniel Jones makes the most sense for me. I like the Giants when I watch them. They look all right. Um, they look really good with the Texans on that end. I, I, I mean, Daniel Jones is the one that's actually really kind of the legitimate starter out of those. So, and Cousins is always ripe for an upset. Yeah, and uh, I just saw a tweet while I was walking in here the last time they played in the playoffs, twenty-two years ago. The Giants won. So on that precedent, I'm gonna. I'm going to go well, with the last Giants. time these two teams met in the playoffs? Yeah. Oh, I think that was an NFC title game, I think, if I'm not I think it might have been. Yeah, the Giants ran in, away with it, back too. In the, yeah, back in the Randy Moss era, absolutely. Seahawks and 49ers have always had a weird history and like as divisional opponents they, they, where one, one has been able to beat the other when the other was dominant. This year it hasn't been that way. The Seahawks have lost both times. It was a one-score game the last time, but I can't remember if it was like a – a, a garbage time score by the Seahawks, and it is Brock Purdy a quarterback for the Niners. I know he's been good, but it is you know yeah. it is Mister Irrelevant rookie at quarterback. God, a lot of people banged up. You're just bringing that up, yeah, That's dude. Five wild. five quarterbacks that there's no way you would have thought they'd be playing in playoff games even like you know two months ago. Backups matter. Yep, no doubt. Brooks, keep up the great work. What do you got going on on the Chronicle this weekend? Well, we're going to be evaluating what the jobs are that are available again. Top five. What are we looking at? Um, I. Kind of broke them down to myself, gave the pros and cons. Um, I'll let y'all read and see where I put the Texans on that. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see how the interviews continue to go. A couple of names lined up over the weekend. Jonathan Alexander taking a look at uh, some of the Sean Payton situation and what it might take in order to negotiate that because he's still under contract with the Saints and the Texans have some draft capital and other things to see what they would be able to do if that were something of mutual interest. Brooks, good stuff as always. We appreciate you. Thank you. Brooks Cabina joining us here in studio as he does each and every Friday. We do headlines next, including uh, Carlos Correa met with the media in Minnesota. Um, let's, let's, see, uh, let's see if what Carlos Correa, do we believe what Carlos Correa is feeding to the good people of Minnesota, his third choice in this free agency go-round here? We'll get to that. Texans head coaching search, uh, big weekend of NFL football, and a quarterback who could be on the move and doesn't seem too happy about it. We'll get to all that in headlines. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's a Miller Lite Football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, here's Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, football Friday. Big thanks to Brooks Cabina joining us uh, on the uh, on the program here as he does each and every Friday. Quick, uh, quick text message from the Trailer Wheel and Frame text page, 9929. Sean and Seth. Do you prefer the head coach as an OC or DC currently? I pre- uh, OC, offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. I prefer offensive coordinator because we need to fix the offense, and I believe it's harder to find a good OC than a DC. I uh, think that if it's a tiebreaker, I go with the OC. Um, the problem is it's almost like drafting a quarterback from uh, Ohio State, Sean. It's that sometimes you feel like, well, looks good. Uh, he does awesome, so he's – Probably going to be good in the NFL, and it's it's more complicated than that. Just because you're a good offensive coordinator doesn't mean that you're going to be a good head coach. So sometimes people force it because they want offense, um, but they take a guy that's more of an X's and O's guys than an actual uh, football coach. The the but the insurance policy part of it is if you look at say Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, things were going awesome when they had Arthur Smith. You know, and obviously AJ Brown helps too. But Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, was very, very good for that football team. And Arthur Smith departs, and I don't know if they've been the same since. Uh, you look at Detroit, who turned their offense around in an extreme fashion last year. And Matt Campbell is an offensive head coach, but he's he's. I think his strength as a head coach is with the motivational side and the human side. And Ben Johnson, his offensive coordinator, is kind of the the offensive whiz kid. He's going to lose him this year. Ben Johnson's most likely. Ben Johnson, who was interviewed by the Texans yesterday, is possibly very likely going to get an NFL head coaching job. Um, And then, boom, you're back in that same spot of trying to find a good offensive mind. So, yeah, if, if... if it's a tiebreaker, then for sure I'd go with the offensive guy. But if a guy just has head coach traits and you trust that he knows offense well enough that he's going to be able to manage an offensive coordinator, uh, then uh, if he's the superior actual head coach type of guy, i go with that guy. Yeah, if I had to do it blind and say OC or DC and there's no name attached, just what would you rather have? OC, for the exact reason, stability. You're not yeah. having to go find a new guy to run the system with your quarterback. You're, you're guaranteed – it's, that's what's so great about Andy Reid, a guy like that. Like you know, like they they could have the whole staff churn with Andy Reid there, and it's Andy Reid's system, you know. Yeah, yeah, Andy. Like that's the gold standard, Andy yep. Reid. Who, by the way, yeah, like at, at one point, people didn't know if he had uh, if he had what it took to be a head coach. They he did more. Just he was that guy I just warned about, like the guy that's an offensive whiz kid, but maybe not that that good of a head coach. People worried about that. Yep. 
Um, Much maligned higher, if I recall, when Philadelphia hired him. Was he? It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'll have to go back and find. That was a. That was one of those classic. Like, oh wow, can't believe we feel kind of silly for having thrashed this <laughs> this hire. Not to, like the JJ Watt booing, you know. Yeah, <laughs> especially draft. in Philly, where they hate everything, so they were, yeah. they were bound to hate it. Um, all right. Let's. Uh, speaking of which, the coaching search. Let's let's get to headlines. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. All right, uh, Seth mentioned it. The Texans have their first interview in the books for their vacant head coaching position, and it's Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. They put in requests for eight different candidates uh, to various teams. Uh, Sean Payton, also uh, one of those, the biggest name out of all of them. Um, but Ben Johnson, the OC for the Detroit Lions, uh, took over that role midway through last season when they fired Dan Campbell, fired Anthony Lynn halfway through Campbell's first season in Detroit. And when they promoted uh, Ben Johnson to offensive coordinator, the offense took off, and they've been one of the best offenses in football this year. Not just one of the best offenses in football, but according to Greg Cosell, noted NFL Films film expert, uh, one of the most fun offenses in football to watch. The Lions, to me, offensively, I think they're one of the most fun offenses to watch. They are really good with their route concepts and their route design. Um, I love the fact that they're old school play action, Goff under center, and they're really, really good at it. You know, we may have talked about this, but there's a significant difference between under center play action and shotgun play action. Because under center play action, Ross, it takes longer for the mesh point to show because the quarterback has to take three or four steps to get to the back. So second level defenders have to wait to see what the play is. So they get a little stuck. Shotgun play action tends to be more flash fake. All right, so that was uh, that was off of the yeah. Ross Tucker football podcast. Yeah, and I got you know uh, I could have cut it off before he started. To get no, I want more but, mesh point talk. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I, a lot of times people ask, "What's the big deal about being a quarterback being under center?" Oh, it's seriously, that. It's a lot but, harder. Is, uh, no, dude, I thought that was interesting. Actually, it made a lot yeah, of sense. Okay, good, to me. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, uh, yeah, as a defensive player, it's a, it's a lot harder. Right. Um, not to mention the the running back just hits the hole a lot harder too. Yeah. So there are a lot of reasons that quarterback under center works better for play action um and but that is also a little bit of that old school mentality it's a little bit of a it's the kubiak shanahan mentality to a degree too lots of lots of offensive coordinators from different schemes care about putting a quarterback under center but it's one of those things that makes it easier for a guy like jared goff and gets the most out of him if he can do it it is though it's something that especially these days because so many coaches spend their entire high school and college careers in shotgun, it takes a good coach, like an actual guy, like a guy that pays attention to detail to, to get it done. And I think that's one of the things that sticks out when you watch the Lions is they do a lot of stuff, but they do it with an attention to detail. They don't – unlike some recent offenses that we've watched in Houston – Every time they try something a little different, exotic, they don't get three penalties and, uh, and and somebody falling on their face just randomly. You laid out Ben Johnson's kind of background uh, before. Yeah. I thought this was good information. If you still got it in front of you, just about his sort of his journey through college and then in the uh, in the NFL. Yeah. I can recite it from memory, Sean. Chapter and verse. Uh, let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Fact check me on this. Uh, which, by the way, and I've got a little tidbit about when Andy Reid was hired after this, too. Just as a, a cautionary Super. tale for all the the hot takes we're going to have after whoever the Texans hire. Oh, good. So, um, all right. 
in 2012, if my memory's not failing me, Ben Johnson was hired by Joe Philbin to work for the Dolphins. He was a math major in college. He was a backup quarterback at UNC. Didn't take a snap his entire career, which which is important because that means he walked on to UNC and didn't get any help from his football playing ability to get into UNC as a math major. So he's a genuinely bright dude, you know. So is Patricia, but whatever. Um, he's a bright guy. He Joe Philbin gets fired. Matt, Matt Campbell at the time gets elevated to interim coach, and he makes he makes Ben Johnson his tight ends coach. Then. The next year, they hire Adam Gase in Miami. Adam Gase is so impressed with young Ben Johnson, and he keeps him on staff. Uh, Adam Gase, of course, gets fired, and deservedly so. So Ben Johnson heads on up to Detroit, where he where uh, he's hired by Matt Patricia to be an offensive quality control guy. Probably uh, Johnson was probably still getting paid by Miami, yeah. by Miami, so you take a quality control job. Um, and that's why I started to get a little bit nervous because I'm like, all right, Patricia's this math major type who is a real stick-in-the-mud, grumpy SOB who thought he was just better than everybody else. Is this, is this the kind of personality that Patricia goes after? Suffice it to say, I watched enough of Ben Johnson to know that he is like uh, he feels like the exact opposite of Matt Patricia. Seems like, a, seems like just like a good-natured dude. And so Patricia gets fired, and deservedly so. Matt Campbell cam- comes in, his old buddy from Miami. It just, and- uh, did, it's Dan Campbell. You, you said Matt several times. I just want to... Well, why didn't you correct me the first time, Because I, I let this it go is, one time. I just wanted to, yeah. Sean, this is how the wrong country gets nuked, I know. okay? <laughs> like you got to... In high-pressure situations, you got to step in. You keep in saying Iraq. And, and, and make, make the... It's Iran. <laughs> Damn it. Damn Sorry. it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell kept him, yeah. So Dan Campbell keeps him. Yeah. Uh, Dan Campbell keeps him, and midway through last season... They fire Anthony Lynn, the offensive coordinator, and it becomes kind of a committee affair. Ben Johnson had the title passing game coordinator, but they turned the offense around. This year, they make Ben Johnson the offensive coordinator, and they, they, they take an offense that had been bottom of the barrel in a lot of categories last year and flipped it around to top three in a lot of categories this year. So uh, it was a very remarkable turnaround. As you know, the defense was the issue in Detroit for much of the year. Um, so I, I liked him. I came away impressed from just what people were saying about him, watching him interact, at, at, you know, at the senior bowl and all this stuff. I, um, he's, he's a quality candidate. That would be my big question. You just mentioned the defense. That would be my big question for a candidate like Ben Johnson, who's only been a coordinator for less than two years, who's a hot name, who's brand new. Yeah. And I don't know what, you know, philosophically his defense is that he's been attached to that kind of thing. That would be my big question for him is, okay, what's your solution on the defensive side of the ball for the Texans? Yeah. What, do you, what yeah. do you run over there, especially in light of the fact that all the stuff that Lovey was running had Derek Stingley doing stuff that you could have used an undrafted guy to go do this year, you know, playing in zone. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the other question, too, is just how, how much of a genuine – I hate using the term alpha male, um, but that's at least part of it. Like, are you the alpha dog? Um, and can you just take over and impose your will on a team? I don't really know, you know, especially because he comes from a, he comes from a team in Detroit where it feels like it's it feels like it's Dan Campbell. There's no mad about him. It's Dan Campbell there uh, who's in in charge of the show and the chief 
motivator and all that stuff. I don't know if there's room for any other alphas in that organization. That's a good point. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, um, so I, that's the big X factor. You're just taking a chance on that. Is he... I, he might he might indeed be an offensive whiz kid, but we just don't know about the greater leadership aspects. He's only been a coordinator in his career once, and it yeah. was this year. Yep. Um, the other candidate, the or the, the latest candidate, the Texans have added to the pool of candidates. And keep in mind, as you're as they're adding candidates, Nick Casario said on this show uh, on Wednesday that he expects this whole process to take at least two to three weeks to identify the next head coach. Some of that has to do with the fact that logistically, some of the guys that they want to interview may be playing deep into the postseason. I mean, they, they're they looking at a coordinator on San Francisco. They're looking at both coordinators uh, for the Eagles, who are the one seed right now. So there's some logistical things. This is going to take a little while, so be patient. Thomas Brown, though, the assistant head coach for the Los Angeles Rams, he is available to speak because the Rams did not make the postseason this year. Um, he's a young guy, 36 years old. He's been a running backs coach with the Rams the last few years, moved to tight ends this year, but carries the title of assistant head coach, which is certainly indicative of some maybe some of the leadership traits Seth was just referring to there. Um, here's Thomas Brown off of a video that the Rams did, kind of introducing Thomas Brown, you know, getting their fans to learn a little bit more about him. Here he is about relationships. It's about relationships. Connecting with guys, starting to figure out every guy in my room ticks, and it's my job to bring the best out of that player. My job, man. Make you right. To me, nothing prepares me more to become a head coach in my job right now. So being locked in as the assistant head coach, the tight ends coach, helping Sean in every way aspect possible. It also brings life our players and trying to elevate those guys from a production standpoint. Been right that way in my entire life. You set a goal, you make a goal. Okay, what's next? All right, and and that video is about three minutes long. Uh, Sean Payton had a lot of really really good things to say about Sean McVay. What did I say? Sean Payton? Sean McVay. Yeah, yeah Sean McVay. Sean it's Payton may like him too, but Sean, yes, McVay, yeah. Sean McVay is who I was referring to. Right. Yeah. We just got another uh, innocent country nuked in this segment. Just now. <laughs> <laughs> Sean McVay, yeah. Um, you but, imagine me as like an artillery guy in the Army. Like, I don't know, point it that way. That, that direction. Right. It's, it's going to hit one of the guys I just said. It's going to go. It's like there's bad stuff over there. Right. All right, just get it in that general direction. Are yeah. you? Uh, where are you on Thomas Brown from what you've learned about him? I'm... Here? I'm intrigued by him. I, I feel like the fact that he's the assistant head coach and has been tabbed as such by Sean McVay counts for something in that he's not your traditional assistant head coach. I looked around the, uh, a little earlier. At, I would say about a third of the teams have assistant head coaches on their staff. And, you know, Anthony Weaver is one in Baltimore. There's a guy that's been around and been a coordinator. Um, not, not nearly as young as, um, you know, Anthony's in his 40s, I think. Um, and, I, and I think that Leslie, Leslie Frazier up in Buffalo is the assistant head coach. A lot of times it's an older guy like Romeo Cornell was here in Houston. So I think that maybe Sean McVay had just tapped him as like a, like a Mike Vrabel type that's just kind of has, whether it's that it factor um, or certain leadership qualities that he wanted to help him cultivate. So, and, and who knows? I mean, McVay's been kind of a mess the last couple off seasons in terms of whether he even wants to coach football anymore. He might have if I found out that he was grooming Thomas Brown specifically to take over for him, it would make me salivate uh for him. That would make me that would be intriguing. Because I feel like McVeigh I McVeigh's tree has done pretty well so far. Absolutely. I think kind of like 
You know, I don't think I think one of the issues with the Belichick tree is that he just likes hiring a certain type of guy, and those types of guys don't end up being good head coaches. I think McVeigh might be the opposite. McVeigh might be kind of like Parcells was the the type of guy that he likes hiring. It's the, the type of personality traits that also end up making good head coaches. So so that if that's indeed what McVeigh was thinking, I'd be very intrigued. Brandon Staley, Kevin O'Connell. Um, uh, well, yeah, Matt Staley, LaFleur. Uh, yeah. you know, well, I mean, these are guys. You know, you know, I don't like Staley. I know. He's in the playoffs, <laughs> I will say. I know, I know, I know. I know. Uh, like they've, and, yet, and yet, I feel like they've underperformed. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, Thomas Brown, add him to the list. Sean Payton uh, has a, an interview scheduled with Denver Tuesday morning. Uh, that's the fir- I don't know why January 17th is the first day that Sean Payton's allowed to talk to people. Maybe that's the first day that face-to-face interviews in general are allowed for these things. Um, but he January 17th is the first date that face-to-face interviews can take place with Sean Payton, and he has one scheduled bright and early in Denver or with the Denver Broncos. Uh, so that's Sean Payton is that De- Denver, Arizona right now are the other two teams in addition to the Texans that have requested permission to talk yeah. to Sean Payton. It's uh yeah I believe it's just because it's the in person coaching interview start January seventeenth okay um, so it's not a so Peyton thing that, it's a league thing he could he could zoom with him if he wanted to yeah but maybe Peyton's too old school maybe Peyton is uh you know hey I uh, I don't go for that I need face to face right right or, or he doesn't know how yeah. to use Zoom you know he's just like no I'm good we're gonna get together we're gonna get together over a scotch. At the New I'm Orleans not a airport. Cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not a cat. Yes. Um, so that's uh, that's where we are with the coaching search. Um, other new, by the way, you're listening to KLT and KLT HD two, an Odyssey station. Um, Seth, they have named the venue for the potential neutral site AFC title game. If it's Kansas City and Buffalo in the AFC title game. The winner of the sweepstakes to get that game is Atlanta, Georgia. It'll be played. Yeah. At the yeah. uh, at the Falcons Stadium there in Atlanta, yeah, it's uh, it, it makes sense. I think uh, you know, obviously Indianapolis bowed out of it, and some people try to criticize them for that. I don't think Indiana. You got to realize this about uh, in Brediapolis. it's a small city, and there's really not. I once I played a game in Indianapolis where we had to fly into Muncie because Indianapolis was having some kind of Formula One race. Uh, some kind of fancy lads auto race, and uh, there were no hotel rooms for just for our for our football team because there were too many people in town for the Formula One race. So we landed in Muncie, a runway which, as far as I could tell, was about 400 feet long, and uh, the 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 pilot had to slam the airplane down on the ground like it was a like a capsule entering the ocean. It was uh, it was That's dicey, brutal. man. Dude, Muncie, yeah. home of Ball State, alma mater of Sarah Pepper. Uh, well, and also uh, one David Letterman. Oh yeah, yeah, Ball State for David Letterman too. Yeah, yeah. The two most famous people, Sarah Pepper of ninety five or ninety six five uh, mix ninety six five, and David Letterman, who hosted a TV show at some point. That I have you told Sarah yet about my new nickname for in Brediapolis? I've not. I've not. I'll walk down the hall during the Surprise. break and let her know. Surprise. Nobody else had come up with that before, but of course the inhabitants are. They're too stupid to figure it out for themselves. <laughs> hey, hey, my cousin. Right. No, not my cousin. You, you, not you, Jimbo. Are you, my cousin. Are you my some, mother cousin. Yeah. Uh, I've got a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Atlanta will get that game. Um, meanwhile, Derek Carr is being shopped around right now. Uh, yesterday that news came out that the Raiders are exploring the trade value of Derek Carr. Here is Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network 
on the Raiders' decision to possibly move on from their starting quarterback. The Raiders need to gauge the market, see what it is, see how hot Derek Carr's name is. And you know in this league, Andrew, finding a quarterback is the most important thing. There are many, 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 many quarterback-needy teams, and there will be more as we get into the offseason. So the Raiders, uh, who seem to be moving on in their minds, not firmly and finally, but moving on in their minds from Derek Carr, Need to figure out what is the trade market. And, Tom, of course, time is of the essence here. There is a firm deadline here, February 15th. At that point, $40.4 million in salary becomes fully guaranteed for Derek Carr. So that is when a decision point needs to be made. A trade could be difficult, but not impossible. And, yes, the Raiders are going to be speaking to teams soon to figure out what is there for Derek Carr. Okay. He has a no-trade clause, yep. which obviously could complicate things. There's a lot of speculation that the most likely scenario is he ends up getting cut. So before that 40, when, when all these other teams know that they not they don't want to be on the hook for that 40 million, so there's a chance they might just cut him. Um, but who knows? I mean, if somebody if, if it comes down to the 11th hour and somebody just offers up a, a seventh rounder or something and is willing to take on that salary. And, and negotiate a deal later, they might, but um, good chance that he's just cut. Yeah, because the calendar is a little messed up on this. They, the salary, the $40 million fully guarantees on February 15th, and yeah. they could agree to a trade with a team before then, but the trade wouldn't become official until the middle of March. So right. whoever's trading for Carr is on the hook for $40 million bucks either way. Can you conduct the physical before then? I'm thinking Carlos Correa, my friend. Mm, this is, mm. uh, can you conduct the physical? Because you can't consummate the deal until the league year begins. Yeah. But you got to... It's dicey. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm a GM and I'm following baseball, I'm starting to, think, uh, start, starting to think about things like this a little bit. I think it would be easy to agree to a trade. Like the, um, the Matt Stafford deal was agreed to in, in principle in January or February, but it wasn't done until March. Until March 15th, yeah. So Presumably he had a physical at some point in there. I don't know. I would think so. Now, Derek Carr himself either just assumes he's gone or he likes attention, or both, because he put out a statement yesterday. Here was the statement Derek Carr put out. Raider Nation, it breaks my heart. I didn't get an opportunity to say goodbye in person. I'm just pissed off. We certainly have. Been on a roller coaster in our nine years together. From the bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful and appreciative of the years of support you give to my family and me. I'm just pissed off. We had our share of both heartbreaking moments. I'm just pissed off. Thrilling game-winning drives. I'm just pissed off. And it always felt like you were there next to me. I'm just pissed off. It's especially hard to say goodbye because I can honestly say that I gave you everything I had every single day in season and off-season. Certainly wasn't perfect, but I hope I was able to leave you with more than a few great memories as Raider fans. I'm just pissed off. There's a whole other page of stuff here about Oakland and Vegas, but there's a lot of yeah. There's a lot. It's a long statement. It's a long statement. But I suffice it to say, I think that Derek Carr. I'm just pissed off. Probably a little pissed off. Yeah. I think he uh, because he does have the no trade clause. If there is a trade that goes through. I don't think it's going to be to a team like the Texans, even if there weren't all the other considerations. The fact that he seems to hate the Texans, for one. Um, <laughs> there is that. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> it seems like half of what drives him is proving the haters wrong um, from from back when he used to watch his brother. But I think that the smartest thing for him is to go to a place that doesn't have an easy option 
to draft another quarterback. Yeah. Where the Texans, if you were to come to the Texans, there's two first round picks in each of these next two seasons. If at any point they decide, eh, we don't really like it, we're totally moving on. Yeah. Whereas with the Jets, the Jets, I think, and this is the scary thing, or the intriguing thing, I should say. Derek Carr has never played with a defense that was better than 20th in scoring defense. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. He's, and a lot of those defenses have been really bad defenses. Yeah. So, you know, not that that tells the whole story or anything, but Carr's always been that guy that seems like there's just some kind of glass ceiling on just him getting any better. He's right there, and it feels like, you know, remember that one year where he was an MVP candidate for two-thirds of the season? And I think he has made progress, and some of the things that used to plague him you know, when he was really skittish in the pocket and didn't want to push the ball downfield. He's worked on a lot of that and overcome it. I I would be intrigued if with the right coordinator in the right situation and a team like the Jets that has a really good defense, if he might be a guy that could figure, okay, I'll go in there and I'll get an honest shot at least to A, com- compete with air quotes with Zach Wilson, and then B, keep them from – wanting to draft another quarterback in 2023. Yep. So, or, or 2024. Yep. And, and especially if you win a bunch of games, then the Jets are much less likely to draft another quarterback in 2024. Yeah, that that might have been that might have been his best chance to boy, if Derek Carr doesn't get hurt in 2016 is the season you're talking about, Seth. Yeah. And that was a season where Derek Carr really rose, you know, he 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 became, you know, it was his third year in the league. He really rose to a Pro Bowl level. And then at the end of the season, he gets hurt, and the Raiders lose out on the number one seed in the AFC. They lost their last game to Denver with, I think, Connor Cook at quarterback. And they wound up a wild card team because they were tied with the Chiefs, but they lost the tiebreaker. If Derek Carr stays healthy, they win that game. You remember they played the Texans in a playoff game that year with Connor Cook. That was the Brock Osweiler year. Who knows yeah. what Derek Carr's that because that was the best Raider team he played on was that 2016 team. If he stays healthy that year, man, the trajectory of his career changes probably, and he might he yeah. might he might make a Super Bowl run that I, year. Well, and then you know this year too, it's with Josh McDaniels, and we all know how hard that uh, that transition can be if you're learning how to play in a Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, let's be honest, Tom Brady system. The guys that tend to do the best in that system are. Uh, the original Tom Brady, and uh, nobody else really. <laughs> Mac Jones for a spell. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, Mac Jones too. Like, let's let's not get it twisted either. Mac Jones had a prom. Mac Jones had a promising rookie season, but it's not like he was playing like an MVP candidate or anything. Yeah. So I think that you know you can make excuses for him, and I think you could talk yourself into him, perhaps. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.